Welcome to the Airport Experience News Podcast. My name is Ramon Lowe. I'm the publisher of AXN, the host of this wonderful pod. As always, please subscribe. If you already subscribed, thank you, thank you so much for doing so. Also, please check out our growing library of episodes. We are adding new content every week, and uh, they're all still a great listen. Of course, if you like to listen on the go, on your mobile device, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is episode 34, and I'm excited because I get to chat with Christina Casotis, who I feel is one of the great executives of our industry. If you don't know who she is, Christina is the CEO of the Allegheny County Airport Authority, which oversees Pittsburgh International Airport. And this is the second time I've had her on the pod, and she's the first repeat guest. So if you're interested in listening to the first time I spoke with Christina, it was episode 13, and you know what? Of course, it's still a great listen. Anyway... The last few episodes, if you've been following along, have featured some very prominent women in various positions throughout the industry. Uh, they each share their perspectives on being role models, and they talk about the advantage of and benefits to having diverse groups in various airports and organizations in this industry. So my conversation with Christina is really a deep dive into her career in airports and her thoughts on the dearth of women executives in airports and others. So here is my conversation with Christina Casotis. I'm joined by Christina Casotis, the CEO of the Allegheny County Airport Authority, which oversees Pittsburgh International Airport. Christina, thank you for, again, taking the time to chat with me. You are the first, actually, repeat guest on this podcast. Great. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for the honor. Okay, let's just get to it. I've been chatting with various women within the industry to both spotlight the work that they do, but to also kind of get their take on the responsibilities really as role models, mentors, and uh, being examples to other women who are aspiring to achieve prominent positions within this industry. So essentially, this was all triggered by perhaps an article or on Twitter that you might have liked or retweeted, you know, regarding the dearth of women in executive positions. So before we get into that, let's just first start about your career. You know, talk about your start and were there bumps along the way that kind of made your ascension, let's say, maybe a little bit more difficult. Uh, where there are bumps, there's always, there are always bumps along the way. I think when you, when you are going for something, you're definitely going to run into some obstacles. And in the beginning, they were internal. I I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. It took me some time. Uh, But once I figured out that aviation was the path that I really wanted to pursue, I definitely had a, a, a couple of interesting, I would say, experiences. The, f- the first significant one being when my boss uh, at Massport didn't want to take a promotion because she, she didn't want me to be promoted again. And, and essentially uh, was blocked from any career ascendancy there, so I left. So I would say that that was a significant obstacle along the way. How does that affect a woman early into her career when you see something like that? Well, I listen. I think it's. It, I I think everything boils down to uh, it's what you do with it. So I do think that some things matter. I I wouldn't. I I think you know. I I say to my son all the time. It's not what happens. It's what you do with it. Which I believe there are some things that if they happen, you have to do something about them. Right? Overt sexual harassment or any kind of abuse has to be has to be called out and and should be dealt with. But in the case of people just generally getting in the way, you find your way around or you leave, right? That's those are your obstacles. So 
and we all face them at some point, I think male or female. I'm not sure that that's gender related, but I do certainly think that some things are. And later in my career, I was faced with a boss who had a very definite opinion about women um, that he didn't work them work with them. He just liked to fill in the blank them. So I can't do a lot with that, right? I'm never going to be seen seriously by a guy who thinks that way or an organization that supports his leadership. So I left. So it's kind of like rather than seeing your career path as a ladder where there's someone ahead of you and you can't move up or anything, you just kind of see it as a jungle gym where you're moving side to side, laterally, et cetera. Or you just decide that, you know, this. I mean, I don't believe in ladders anyway. I believe in lattices. And I think that we're all faced with decision points and we are all in a position to have to say, what's important to me and and what am I going to live with and what am I not? And it's not worth me trying to work around people who cannot structurally imagine women in leadership. Forget it. I don't need to be part of that organization. So did you ever feel like you had to subscribe to that, that archaic adage of that a woman has to almost outman a man in order to be taken seriously or to advance? Um, I don't know. Uh, outman a man. I would <laughs> say that, you know, I was, <laughs> my father, I'm the oldest of four, I'm one of two girls, and, and my father wanted to make sure that we were raised in a way where we could take care of himself. I was not allowed to get my driver's license until I could prove I could change a tire. Um, which was very much, so I'm not sure is that because I need to outman a man? No, but, but I was raised to believe that I needed to stand on my own two feet, no matter what. Uh, my father's mother had been widowed, left with three young kids. And, and I think my father wanted to make sure that that was something that no matter what I could take care of myself, which I appreciate by the way. So no, I don't think I felt like I needed to outman a man as much as I just have needed to do what I need to do. And if people are in the way, I either need to find my way around them or I need to get away from them. <laughs> well, you've, you've certainly done well. So, I mean, <laughs> you, you have a formula, which is great. Um, and, well, and I'm glad you mentioned, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. I'm not sure it's a formula. I just think it's, you know, it's, it's an instinct. And after, after, as you get older, you realize that letting go is, is not quitting. It's letting go. And there, there are some situations that are not worth sticking around for. Some of them there are, believe me. And I, and I have certainly um, been in situations where I felt like, hold on, let's, let's work through this. But something like, you know, complete sexism and, and just overt hostility towards women, forget it. I don't, I don't want to be part of that. There isn't any part of you that says, let me just try to correct that behavior or just, or are you looking to be an example that would eventually? I don't have time. I don't have time. I, I'd much rather put my efforts into making a positive difference among people who, who really want to do great things, not, not around trying to turn some Neanderthal into a 21st century human being. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm glad you mentioned your, your, your father. So I'm sure you uh, can mention any mentors along the way that kind of, you know, help guide you, not necessarily in being a woman in this space, but just guide your career. Um, mm-hmm. And the second part of that is, do you feel that it's really key to have someone who's going to be your advocate besides yourself? Well, I think it's always helpful to have people who are interested in you and interested in lending a hand. I certainly try to do that myself to young men and young women and also to people who I meet who are asking for help. So I think we all need each other one way or another. And it's good to have help along the way. I certainly at Massport, one of the 
women who was very key to me figuring out where I belonged, a woman named Betty DeRoge. She was the um, head of planning for Massport, and we were taking on the new runway issue, 1432. And that had been stopped by mothers and baby carriages 25 years earlier. So it was a very controversial issue. And I had just started at Massport and Betty said, I want you to join us in the room as we're, we're kicking off this project. It's going to go on for years. And I think it's important to have you be exposed to, to this whole process right from the beginning and mentioned that she wanted to reach out because I was a young woman new to the airport. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. So that was very overt. Um, but along the way, certainly, you know, Deborah Meehan, who was the president of SH&E and, and, and brought me into consulting and really just certainly provided a whole lot of guidance uh, around how to be successful in that space um, were, were very important people to me. So just uh, talking about this industry, I mean, you've been in aviation for a, a long time uh, and now obviously as an executive for a growing uh, airport. You know, when I came in in 2005, it was very male dominated. You know, it slowly evolved, which is kind of a great thing. You said it when we last spoke and in the previous podcast, you know, you, you were not obviously male. You were not obviously ex-military, but yet you <laughs> made a go of it in the space. And I was looking mm-hmm. at the top uh, roughly 100 or so airports, uh, according to the FAA, uh, you know, guidelines. And I noticed, just doing a rough count, that there were had been there had been or there are about 15 airport directors who are women. And I think there's been change over the last couple of years um, that were you know were women replaced by men. I believe maybe uh, Salt Lake City might be one. Most recently, mm-hmm. Syracuse, etc. What do those types of numbers uh, tell you? Is there not enough interest? Is there not uh, a pathway uh, for a career in this in this space? Well, first of all, I think fifteen percent is pretty good when you can. Yeah. For, I'd like it to. I'd like it to be fifty. I'd, I'd like us to be proportionally represented. Women to be proportionally represented in all leadership in all industries, the way we are in the population. Right? I think it it makes sense. But but fifteen percent. If you take a look at Fortune five hundred or Fortune one thousand companies run by women, I promise you, fifteen percent would be headlines. So as an industry in the U.S. in airports, I think we're doing well and we continue to do better. I actually thought it was higher. So I'm surprised it's only 15. No, it could be higher. I just did a quick count. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, But but if you take a look at airports in Europe, there aren't many women running them. There are women running airlines more so than in the U.S. So look, we have a long way to go, but we're, we're, we're working in the right direction. And what I really appreciate about Pittsburgh, among lots of things, is that they were very much looking for somebody who could meet the needs of where the airport was at the time, and they, and they okay, so you're a woman, great, then, you, then we'll hire you. But they didn't go out, you know, some people get it wrong. They, go, they say, we need more diversity. Go find a woman who can X. And I, I'm not sure that's the way to do it. I think what we want to be able to do is make sure that there are that there is uh, ample opportunity so people can have experience and then put themselves in a position to be the right fit. Um, so I think that there's a long way for the industry to go, but we're trending in the right direction. And I think 15 out of 100 is, is like I said, is, is good, but not as good as it should be. Well, it's funny because I, well, I interviewed Barbara Yamamoto of LAX and I asked her a similar question. And she said that all during her time going through LAWA, she had all, all her superiors 
had been women. women. So she, yeah, right. she always said, I, I never knew that a man was actually ever qualified. That's funny. Yeah, that's right. LAX has a long history of, of working with, uh, with women in the top spot and, you know, and, and formidable ones as well. I mean, Gina Marie and, you know, certainly Deborah Ali Flint. So well done LAX and, a number of other airports. I, it's it's an, it's encouraging. And one of the things I, I I would be remiss not to point out is that, you know, the, the the folks who have really helped me in making the transition from consulting into airport management were are not were but are uh, Jeff Fagan and Tom Kenton, both of whom ran airports, big ones. And I called on to say, look, help me out here, and couldn't have been more generous and forthcoming with their you know, advice and guidance and counsel. So I haven't stopped needing mentors and I haven't stopped calling out uh, for assistance when, when, I, when I need it. And it's, it's made a big difference to be able to be shepherded in to the industry uh, by guys who've gone before me. And then, of course, there's an executive women's network for aviation in the U.S. that's been um, incredibly encouraging. And, and it's, it's nice to see that women are reaching out to help each other. Is it, is the executive women's network? Is that more of like an informal gathering? Yeah, or is it, actual it is. It is. But it's. I mean, it's. It's. Uh, I, I. It's. It's a number. Number one and number two women at airports throughout the U.S. And you know, we we have calls and get-togethers and make an effort to be available to each other. And it, it's a. It's a very nice thing. It's. It's certainly very welcoming when you get into this position. A tremendous resource and and great women who are part of it. Is this the group that uh, Elaine Roberts and Bonnie Allen kind yes. of like head up? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. And well done, Elaine, right, for for, nice. for getting that going. Um, it's just, it's, I don't get to participate as often as I would like, but I really, I pay attention to the emails and, and try to get together with women when there are major conferences. Oh, that's, that's excellent to hear. So um, is there a program that you're looking at that you see or maybe would like to start to help uh, other than this, uh, the executive women's network that you, it's more informal um, that you probably would like to see kind of get started um, in this space unless one already exists? Well, I don't, I don't know. I think, I, you know, I think when we, when you get to this level or when you're on your way into this level, you know, you're, you're working your way up. I think that it's, it's really a question of figuring out what resources you need. And I find that, that, that people do reach out. I don't know if there needs to be something more formal. I think we we definitely need more aviation education, and that I see that tied to STEM and STEAM in classrooms to get more young women and more people of color interested in this space in aviation, knowing that it's possible. We do a lot with a school district here in Pittsburgh uh, with kids starting in second grade. To, to get them interested in aviation and, and that those are boys and girls. And it's, it's fascinating because one little second grader looked at me one day and said, I didn't know a lady could be the boss. And I was like, well, look at that. Um, so, so great. But, but I'm sure that there are other opportunities. I hope for that young man to see that somewhere in his life. So, or a young boy. Uh, so I think that we, I don't know if we need things that are more formal. I think we all have to do our part to reach out, to help out. Um, we've started an executive women's network actually here at the airport, which is available to anybody, uh, men and women, but it's really to focus on issues um, that, that women have in the workplace and to be a support for each other. So, and we modeled that after the Port of Portland's program, which I was really impressed with. So 
in your opinion, how would you measure progress or dare I even say success? Is it measured by the fact that we don't see the change? We don't see Christina Cassettis, who happens to be a woman who is the CEO of Pittsburgh International Airport, that kind of thing? I don't know. I don't know. How, how do you measure success? Well, certainly as we get closer, I would, success to me would be, again, that you'd see that people in leadership would 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 cross gender boundaries the way that they do, not cross gender boundaries, but be represented um, the way that they are in the population. So if we're 50% of the population, we could be 50% of leadership. That's that's what I'd like to see throughout organizations, that we have we have as many opportunities open for women as we do for men and that women feel as encouraged to be considered for those. So that would be success. How, how you measure that, I, I think it, it shows up in the results, right? Who's at the top? Who's on the boards? This is a big deal in the airline space. If you take a look at uh, boards of directors, you know, how, how gender balanced are they really? And how much are they focused on this issue? I can tell you my board is here at the airport. We have a number of members who pay attention to um, gender and racial uh, diversity, diversity of thought, experience, age, et cetera. So are we, you know, are we representing our community well? And I think that's what every, every going concern has to answer for itself is, you know, does the staff look like and does it represent and meet the needs of the community it serves? That would be success. Right. You you keep mention, you mentioned the airlines a lot. So does that does it seem like they're a little behind as opposed to where yeah. we are? As yeah, in the U.S. Yeah, there's no question that airlines in the U.S. If you take a look at leadership, I mean, believe me, strides have been made. But uh, you know, Cape Air, um, there's a president, and I think JetBlue has now a president uh, who's a woman. But for the most part, you've, and you've got definitely women in senior positions, chief legal counsels, heads of HR, but you've, you haven't seen a CEO of a major U.S. airline since Colleen Parker had a short stint at Southwest. Um, and I think that's a function of, it's not because there aren't qualified women out there. That, that is my point. It's not because there aren't qualified women. It's, um, it's because nobody's broken through yet. We saw it in Europe with Carolyn McCall at EasyJet. And um, I loved that what she did because she didn't even come from industry and she turned that airline around. That's great. You know, it's, I guess in some ways there's also opportunity. I mean, like positions such as this one don't necessarily come up often, or I'm talking about positions such as yours. Um, I hate to say it. Most people, most of the time they kind of have to age out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. um, Yeah. Which, which I don't know if we're going to see as much of, I I mean, I don't know if we're going to see as much as, as people aging out of positions as, you know, as people, more and more people are staying for a time and then moving on. And, and I expect that we'll, we'll see that. I mean, there's certainly been some shifting around in the airport industry of late. Um, it feels like a lot of jobs are opening up at the executive levels in airports. So I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't think I'll be in Pittsburgh for 20 years. I think that, and I, and I think that I should move on at some point in order to create opportunity for other people. That's how you keep an organization fresh, especially if you're in, uh, a, a, you know, a not-for-profit. Yeah. I guess the, the mindset of that age group is just, you know, lifers in some ways, you know, I found a job. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm not sure that's good for anybody, right. In private or public corporations. So, so I think that, you know, what we want to do is create opportunity for people. And that's hard to do if there's, if there's no movement at the top. So I have two more questions for you. Uh, one sure. personal, 
Um, so I'm the father of a 13 year old young lady. She's super smart and hardworking, which she obviously gets from her mom. And yeah, okay, so, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Um, so rightly or wrongly, when she and I talk about what she wants to be and, her, and how she wants to develop a career, I've told her that as of right now, you will kind of need to work much harder to be recognized to advance and to succeed than maybe the boys. And I've spoken to some others, other parents about this approach, and it's kind of evenly, evenly split. Some say I shouldn't plant the seeds in her head and kind of put her behind eight, eight ball where others are saying, you know, Hey, you know what? Be honest because you know, you just have to let her know what she has, what to expect out there. Where would you fall in line? Is that as a parent? <laughs> wow. You know? That's a tough one. First of all, congratulations that you have a smart 13 year old daughter and that right. you're having these conversations with her. Uh, yeah, my son is 16 and um, we don't, we, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to say, listen, do whatever you want. Just be good at it. Um, I don't know what I'd say. I don't, I didn't have these conversations with my parents. I don't think we talked to our parents in those days about stuff like, you know, jobs and, and careers. Um, I don't know. That's interesting. What's her reaction? Her reaction is like, I guess she's like, oh, Why? If I'm smarter or as smarter, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, and I don't want to, I don't further it by saying, well, you know, it's a, it's a boys club out there. You know, I don't do any of that, but I, I certainly don't want to, I'm trying to find the balance of like, you know, propping her up, but also giving her a little bit of reality. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's it's you do your best. I, I mean, I guess this is what I say to my son, you do your best. And if it's not working out, you've got to look at why. And if you can do something about the root cause, and you do something about it. And if you can't, then you you move on. Um, but but that doesn't mean that just because it's not all going your way, there's a root cause. In other words, right, you have to work hard. So I don't know, do we do we tell our girls they have to work harder than boys? Or do we just say, hopefully, you won't have to, but if that becomes an issue, take a look and see if that's one of the root causes. Because I don't think inherently, I, I see less and less personally in my world and in the in the place I work in, less and less examples of this kind of attitude or fewer, excuse me, fewer examples. But that doesn't, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's still out there. I'm sure it is. Sure. I just think, you know, we have a lot of work to do in, in proving that le good leadership is good leadership, male or female. I mean, that's my biggest issue is, is, is how are we leading these organizations and what kinds of examples are we setting? So if your daughter can find somebody who is uh, somebody she wants to emulate, that's great. There's lots of examples of, of women who have made it, made it happen. Oh yeah. And that's, 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 that's my yeah, wife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to say. That's really interesting. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you in 10 years and find out how the experiment worked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping it turns out really well because again, she's, she gets it from my, my wife and my wife is, is a successful woman in her own right. But I guess maybe then for you, is it because you, how you were raised, you, you know, you mentioned your dad didn't really have the talk, but maybe he exemplified that hard work and can do attitude in you not necessarily as a woman, but just as a, as a child. Yeah, but right. But so did my mother. I mean, my mother is a stay at home mom and was, and, and worked very hard. I mean, my father was an airline pilot. He wasn't home a lot. So she, she was doing double duty a lot of the time. I think we were just raised to, to believe that you're going to go out there and you're going to do your best and, and hopefully it's going to work out. And if it isn't, then you, then you've got to make some choices. And 
And I think that sometimes the obstacles are good things. I think that they, they help point you in directions you might not have known were possible. So I don't think, you know, we should, we should expect anybody, any of us, that it's going to be easy to get where you want to go. And, and I do think that there's something to be said for having to, you know, negotiate and compromise with other people. I mean, the world isn't set up to, to work out perfectly for each and every one of us. And we, you know, there's a whole lot of us in this world today and we've got to make some compromises. So the question is, which ones can you live with and which ones do you have to work around and which ones should you not bother with? Like they could be somebody else's fight. Like we're all going to have to take something on is the way I look at it. So you can't take everything on. (laughs) And, uh, and I, yeah, I think that, I think that I just, I am always looking for, okay, what do I do with this? I don't spend a whole lot of time worrying about why, um, unless it's going to help me figure out what to do next. No, certainly. And, and, and I'm going to call myself out there, me just assuming that only your father can positively influence you <laughs> and your siblings, as opposed to your mom, who, who obviously has an impact. Yeah, big one, right? I mean, I think that, you know, as kids are always watching their parents and, and they're always watching the adults in their lives and, and we have to do our best. And kids also have a very, very humbling way of, of either being an example of or living out your weaknesses. So, you know, <laughs> you want to figure out what, what to fix, have a kid, and, you, and uh, it shows up in them and then you're like, oh, God, I guess I have to deal with this. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think that success, career success is incredibly important. So is personal success and being a good person and being kind and, and, and showing up in the world and helping other people. I, I think those are good signs of success. And if you, if you also get to have a career because you want one, then congratulations. That's great. And I'm, I really believe you can, I really believe people can figure that out in this country. That doesn't mean everybody can, and it doesn't mean that every situation can be, can be um, managed because like I said, I think some are just wrong and they need to be called out. And um, some people don't, you know, don't respond well to the workplace looking different than it did in 1952. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. 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 So my last question for you is, um, kind of related to the, to the previous one, do you feel any, not, I don't want to say pressure, but do you feel as a woman in this space or maybe in any space at all, um, some extra pressure to, to be a role model, to exist as a model for others to follow? Especially, let's say, for your son? <laughs> well, yes, I do. I, I do because it is, I, again, it, I was, I was, I'm very lucky. I was raised with two parents who loved me and I got to go to college and I got to do a lot of things uh, that maybe not everybody gets to take for granted. And I am very aware that, that a whole lot of women behind me struggled to get to the point where I could really truly show up in Pittsburgh and think, sure, I should be considered for this job. That's not something that maybe 40 years ago, somebody, a woman could have done. So I'm very aware that, that, you know, we still, we're still not at a hundred years with the right to vote in this country. So I'm very aware that, that people have had tremendous obstacles to get to the point where I could apply for and get this job, as well as people still have those obstacles in other countries around the world that clearly are some um, examples of places where women don't enjoy this type of freedom. So yes, I think that that it is incumbent upon us as women and men to demonstrate good leadership and to make paths available 
to people, all people who exhibit great leadership and great sort of responsibility and accountability traits um, to, to allow them to succeed and to, and to help out when they want to make decisions about what they can do and where, you know? So yes, I feel a, a responsibility, but I think everybody in leadership should. And, and I, I, I think we have some ways to go on that. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll get there, but Christina, thank you I again for so. taking the time to speak with me. Well, thanks, Ramon. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate you inviting me back.